Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode number 58 for the week of August the 12th, 1984. Almost. 2018. (laughs) (laughs) But we were transported back to 1984 this week, weren't we, Adam? We just left it. We saw Summer of 1984, or Summer of 84. Summer of 84, baby. As our last film of the Film Festival of Columbus 2018. And speaking of that, this is our Film Festival of Columbus 2018 special edition. Focal. If you like the short abbreviation. I like the short abbreviation, Focal. I like that. That's kind of cool. And uh, it was kind of fun. This was a long film festival for us, Adam, for me at least. It was five days. Yeah, Wednesday through Sunday. And uh, man, I think we ended up seeing 11 feature films and two blocks of shorts. Yeah, 13 screening blocks total. Now, (laughs) this festival isn't all day every day. Right. The first three days of the festival are just in the evening. Right. So, like me and like you, you can do your actual work during the day and then jet over to the Gateway and see films all night. And it was here in Columbus, Ohio at the glorious Gateway Film Center. and uh, Feels like a second home at this point. And uh, we just want to give a shout out to the the, the group that put on um, Focal and the Gateway for hosting. Uh, It's a great venue and we had a great time and we got to interact with some uh, amazing people and have a lot of fun, make some new connections. Everything from old veterans of the film industry to a young kid heading off to Savannah, Georgia to do to major in film studies this fall, you know. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed myself and got to give a shout out to the Leg family for... (laughs) For letting me go for five days and be away from them. So that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, at least you didn't have airfare or hotel or anything else. It's always good to have a film festival right in the old backyard. No, absolutely. I was able to catch up with the family for about 15 minutes in the morning or 15 minutes in the evening, depending on what time I got home. So, But I had a blast. I mean, it's so much fun. And uh, um, uh, we're here today. This We're going to talk about our top five films of the festival uh, and then we may have one or two honorable mentions that we're gonna we're going to um, throw out to you as well, Adam. So, what else been? Anything else been happening? Are you ready to just like you want to? We here's the thing: we've exited a bubble. Yes, I have no idea what's going on in the world. You you probably don't either because we no. haven't been paying attention. I mean, you look at your phone briefly between screenings, but we've literally been in a dark room for pretty much five straight days. So we don't have any news. Nothing really to discuss. Yeah. But the first segment tonight, we're going to be talking about the festival as a whole, kind of get you an idea what Focal is, if this is something you might want to attend in the future. And then we'll come back and we'll wrap it up with our our top five list. We'll talk about the films we saw, and then uh, we'll take a look at what's coming ahead. Awesome. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. And we're back, and this is the Film Coterie Podcast, and we're so glad you're checking us out this week. We are talking about Focal. And so, Adam, what is Focal for our listening audience? Focal is the Film Festival of Columbus. It's hosted at the Gateway every year. This is the seventh year they've done it, and I've only been aware of it the last three years. 
So two years ago, I went and saw individual screenings. Last year, I bit the bullet and I got a badge. And then this year again, I got the badge. The badge, if you get the VIP badge, allows you to go upstairs to the lounge. You kind of have your private entrance to both theaters. Right. Reserve seating. You don't have to worry about tickets. You can just walk into the screenings and you can see anything you want. Yeah. So the festival is five days. The first three days are just in the evenings. And then Saturday and Sunday, it's full tilt, full day screenings. Yeah. And it's two competing screens. So there are some days when you have to make a hard choice. You want to see film A or film B. It's like they run a set of blocks. It's going to be like 12, 2, 4, 6, 8, or it's going to be 1, 3, 5, 7, 9. And so you just have to pick, you know, what screen or what block you're going to see when, and you know. Um, yeah. and, and it's right off, literally right on the very edge of Ohio State's campus. So it's right off of High Street, the main campus, you know, drag. So there's a bunch of restaurants and, and and things to do that's within walking distance if you got if you didn't want to be hit, hit out in the dark for five days like us um so yeah a lot of fun great atmosphere columbus is a great city just for the arts in general you yeah. know and um they advertise it was kind of neat they advertised that before every film they're trying to really promote the city of columbus and its different artistic expressions that it have and i think that's great you know and the interesting thing about Focal is it, it doesn't really focus on any one genre. It's a really diverse offering. You get everything from documentaries. They used to be a lot heavier into documentaries. There's only two or three this year that I was aware yeah. of. Animation, foreign films, shorts. I mean, it, it's really something for everyone. You can well, find and, something in this list. And the curation of this was really strong, I think, because you're exactly right. Everything from micro-budget, I mean, like films that cost... Fifteen, seventeen thousand dollars to make, up to films that are still independent, but you can tell have a little bit of money behind them, a little bit of studio, a little they, bit of backing. They feel like a studio release, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and I think you'll find at least my top five will probably reflect the diversity of the of the film festival. You know, I didn't I didn't immediately uh, wipe off a film just because it wasn't micro budget. You know. And I think you'll find this, Roger, and I always find it. I always kind of have my maybe top five anticipated films. My final top five never lines up. I always have surprises in there, and I can never predict my top five <laughs> Yeah, as easily as I think I might be able to. Now, this was your first real film festival. Yeah. So I was trying to teach you a few things along the way. <laughs> Lesson one, you'd reached out to me and said, how do I find out about these movies? Right. And I kind of shrugged and I said, you got to Google, maybe find a trailer, maybe find some reviews from some other film festivals. And, you know, the best way I just how I discovered as we list these movies off and you're like, how do I discover what they're about? The best way to do it is to Google the title of the film and then the words film festival. Yeah, because most of these films, a lot of them have played at other film festivals and you can see somebody's review of it where they'll click on a link to the trailer so I, I was using the phrase, you know, whatever, uh, summer of 84 film festival trailer, you know, and then, I, then that either took me sometimes to a Vimeo site or YouTube site or the actual website of the film where they had a little minute and a half trailer up, you know, but you can find trailers for all these films. If they have a trailer. If they have a trailer. Yes. Yeah. And then the next thing you need to learn is bladder control. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, it's. Folks, this is the real truth. Absolutely, man. <laughs> you have to be trained like an athlete. Yes. So everyone goes to the bathroom right after the screening, and there can be long lines. So I always find it's better just to get in the habit of waiting and going right before you go into the next block, I can and you'll be 
I can. You'll I can, be set for the whole festival. I can, can get report, on schedule. I can report for the whole listening audience that by Sunday I'd had it trained. <laughs> but before then, I was fighting the crowds. Fantastic Fest is even worse. They have two oh. bathrooms at the location, so oh man, long I lines. And I can't even imagine. You need to know when to go. Yeah, but I'll be prepared when I go to Fantastic Fest one day. So our biggest day, I think we saw four or five screenings in a day. Yep, yep. How did you feel just going through that process? Because normally you don't see this many movies in a day in a theater. This is kind of new to you. I was curious about what it was like for you. Well, the good news is they all of these films, you don't get... This is the this is my favorite part of the festival. There's no trailers whatsoever. You just see sponsorship placements. You see a, a minute and a half sponsorship, bam, right, in, right into the film. And so all of these films, are they're not three-hour epics. They're all 90 minutes or less, generally speaking. So we always had about a half hour between our screenings, which was great. It was just enough time to find the, the plumbing in the building, you know, or to go grab a little snack or to go outside and look at the sun for a minute, come back in and go see your next film. And let you have a little bit of downtime between the films so you can change gears in your brain yes. and you're not just going from one film straight to another. And we even had two, two different days where we had blocks where we had like an, almost two hours where we could go yeah. get dinner, you know. And that's because they started movies an hour apart. So if you right. caught the early movie in one block, but we're catching the late movie in the second block. Which we chose to do on a couple of It lets occasions. you get food. Yep. Yeah. But really, I don't think it's that tough to survive a film if you like films. You wouldn't go to I a love film festival it. if you wouldn't. Dude, I could do this for 10 days, It's man. the all-you-can-eat buffet it of is, the film it, world. It is, you have your badge. If you're you just, a cinephile, the film festival is the best. The, I mean, you know, best value you can get. You spend the money. You get to see all these films. And being able to sleep in your own bed at night is a real plus. <laughs> yeah. So I think the badge for the VIP level was 75. I think it's well worth the value for the sure. five days. I mean, we saw 14 blocks. You know, that's about $5 a block or whatever. Yeah, no, it was it was well worth it. So, was, I would, I'd, next year I'll get the VIP and not even think twice about it. So that it. was my last question on this. Now that you've been through Focal and that this is a local festival, you're going to be doing Nightmares, so that'll be your second festival this year. Oh, yes. But... <laughs> I mean, is Focal something you would consider doing again in the future? I think so. As long as it works out in the schedule, I enjoyed it. Had a, and being right here in Columbus, it's kind of hard to pass that up, you know? Um, I don't know if I'll, if I'll carry such an intensive schedule. I yeah. will always block out Saturdays and Sundays to catch the whole day, you know? But now that I know that, you know, your first film of the festival, your last film of the festival, you Those know... Those are the opening and yeah, the closing films. you know, films. are always kind of really important. Um, and then I, I, you know, if I have the time, absolutely, I, I'll probably get a badge again next year and, and be back. Yeah, I mean, I bit the bullet on this one, and there's only two films that I knew outright when I saw the initial list. I knew We the Animals, and I knew Summer of '84. I wanted to see both of those, so you know, I bought the badge not knowing what the rest of the schedule would look like, and I was I was really pleased with the lineup, kind of going in yeah. blind or near blind. Yeah, on a lot of these titles. Well, we talked we've talked in the past about about Focal that. It has a tendency to be more documentary oriented. In years past, there were more documentaries. Yeah. This year, there's only three or four. And and so you know, and and I'm down with that. But I don't know if I could do five days of documentaries. Yeah. You know, that would be just too much. Right. You know, uh, but but no, I thought it was a great mixture, great mixture of foreign films, um, uh, and then even small budget films uh some canadian summer of 84 by canadian directors rkss yeah rkss and uh, and they're just great by the way i mean yeah, they're, they're just so much fun they're just young and there's so much energy they're just great kids and they just 
and man, they're they're good filmmakers. You know, we'll get to our previews here, but Summer of '84 was a pretty good flick. Well, let's jump to this before we wrap up. Uh, a feature of almost all film festivals is the Q and A. This is rare in the film world where you get to directly interact with the filmmakers. You're not just sitting in a dark room and then leaving. Right. The lights come up and the filmmakers are in front of you. You can ask them any questions like, what does this mean or, well, or why this? I did learn one thing. Yes. I learned one thing very quickly because I, you know, I learned that if you did not like a film, you don't make any comments when the movie ends. There is a... <laughs> the etiquette... It's not the code of silence. No, but there's an etiquette that says... The director, producer, actor, family member of somebody in that movie could be sitting beside you or behind you. So you just don't, yeah. you know, you keep it to yourself. Now, if you enjoyed it, I, talk I want freely. Talk freely, applaud. You know, we always applaud it. I think even no matter the movie, no you matter applaud. the movie, you always applaud. And um, if you liked it, really encourage them because that's an encouragement to them to keep creating and, and making art. Well, and the thing is, there's a difference here: is that the people are usually in the room. I'd say most of the screening blocks, if not almost all of them, had the filmmakers here. Yeah. Is that these are people that honestly tried to make something. and You know, they, they're they not a soulless studio that was just cashing yes. a paycheck. And Nobody sits out to make a bad movie, especially independent films. Well, studios, I mean, they may not care as much. Everyone's right. just getting a check. But these are all heartfelt, honest-to-God soul projects. Yes. And that's just the thing is, I mean, if you're going to badmouth the movie, you do it a little bit quietly out, no, outside. I, I mean, I have an obvious film that I that I liked the least of mm-hmm. the whole film festival. I'm not going to mention it. Don't yeah, need to no. mention it. But even that film, you could tell that they put a lot of hard work and effort. They wanted to make something really good. It just really missed for me, you know? And so I don't even have a negative thing to say about about that film specifically. And when I go to the bigger festivals, I just stay quiet on the movies I don't like on, on social media because there's no good coming from my negative exactly. buzz. If I didn't like something, because someone else may have liked it. Just be positive. It you know? And the thing is, if it's a small movie and someone else at a later festival is looking yes. for reviews and they see my review, I don't want that negative aura out there. And no. Someone else may really like it. I don't want men entering the film tainted. Yeah. So I'm generally quiet on the review front if I didn't care for something at a festival because I don't feel like I need to warn anyone. It's not going to be in the multiplex where you're trying to choose what to see on a Friday night. This film isn't going to be in that competition. Most of the, I'd say a a large majority outside of one or two of these films, you're going to have to hunt down on iTunes, Amazon, Netflix, um, VOD uh, sources, you know. But that's the great thing of our modern world is where would you have seen these 10 years ago yeah, without exactly. iTunes and Amazon and if, Netflix? If you got lucky, you'd have seen it at an art house for one night and then gone. On a hard-to-find DVD or Blu-ray. Yes. You'd have had this, the back shelf of Blockbusters where you'd have found it. Yeah. I mean, lost to time almost. Yep, so the absolutely. streaming world has been better for film access. Uh, I agree totally. But that audience Q&A, it can go to one of two ways. So there's the really boring Q&As where you almost roll your eyes a little bit. Someone will get up and say... What'd you shoot this on? What was your budget? How long did it take to shoot this? Or the worst one, I have a comment. But there's some truly magical audience Q&As where it's a very emotional moment. There's a real connection now between the filmmakers and the audience because the audience just went through something for 90 minutes. And we saw that with Rich Kids. Rich Kids had one of the best Q&As in recent memory that I've seen at a film festival because it did really connect with the audience. Yeah, Rich Kids was an all-Latino cast, mm-hmm. and it really showed the boroughs of, of Texas, you know, and these kids, and it showed them in a realistic, honest light, 
And we had we had a, we had a couple families that were just tremendously touched by this film that said thank you for show you know thank you for showing us more than just gangbangers and 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 drug dealers and you know thank you for just showing the, the heart and the honesty that is in our community you know and they're they're crying yeah. as they're as they're thanking the director and the lead actor and you you never get that experience anywhere in the theater on a traditional Friday or Saturday night. You're never going to get the director and the, the actor there. But That's you, the magic of film but festival. But you get that at a film festival. Yeah, that, the the yes. lights come up and the person or persons who made it are right in front of you and you can interact. That one that one moment was worth, my, was worth the cost of admission yep. for me and why I'll come back to other film festivals. Yeah, so not all Q&As are magical, but we were lucky. We, I mean, that was the most magical one of this fest, but there were other yeah. Q, good Q&As. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But that one just stands out as being really special. And, and when, you, when you discover with these independent films, the reason most of them were made is because something in their life drew them to this. They're retelling a portion of their life. You they know? usually have a personal connection. Real yeah. personal connection to it, yeah. Okay, well, I think we should jump into our top five. Yeah, let's do it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Film Coterie podcast. When we come back, our top five films of Focal 2018. We are back, and it's time to share our top five list from Focal 2018. Now, we both had the hard task of whittling down what we saw to just five. This was not easy. The movies we're not listing tonight are not bad movies. They just barely missed the cut. I mean, barely, barely, barely missed the cut for a few of these. I really struggled finalizing my top five. It was not easy. But we, these are the five movies that each of us have decided we want to draw some special attention to. Whatever movie, and Roger have not, and I have not seen each other's list. Nope. I have no idea what Adam's top five is. Whatever the highest movie on both of our lists, we will name our personal film coterie best of the fest. Yeah. And then at the end of the segment, we'll share what awards Focal handed out. Yep, absolutely. So, you ready to kick this off? Sure. You want me to go ahead and start? Let's go with number five. Okay. Well, my number five is a micro budget, and um, just because the film didn't cost a whole lot to make does not mean it's a, a film of good value. Um, and the reason this is made my top five, uh, was because the lead actor in this film, the hook at the end of this film really got me and that's the ascent. Um, and and so the ascent, just a real quick uh, description. It's about a veteran LAPD detective, Henry Cardenas faces off his toughest murder suspect yet, uh, Vince Marins, who claims to be something other than human. So there's this. He is a veteran police officer who is who has almost a magical touch at being able to get confessions out of people. You know, he tied the ties the record at the beginning of the film for for murder confessions. You know, and he meets this crazy kid named Vince who claims to be something otherworldly, and the whole film revolves 
pretty much around this interrogation between the two of them. And I loved it. it, The story was engaging. It drew me right in. Um, And there's a hook at the end I did not see coming, but I should have, you know. So um, I just loved the film. It it is a small budget. It's not, you know, no special effects or anything real super, but... uh, um, I don't know. It's one of those that if you're if you're hanging out and you get a chance to watch it on Netflix or, or um, Amazon Prime, I'd recommend it. Yeah, I I really like the film too, and I I don't know how it's going to come out, but I will say this: for a micro budget film, I thought it was supremely smart in yes. how it spent its money. It didn't feel so contained. A lot takes place in the interrogation room, but they have enough activity. Yes. Outside of the room, it doesn't feel so stuck in and one And there location. was no real fat. They trimmed the movie down. It's very lean. Very lean, to the point. All the loose ends are tied up. Every single character Every matters. single one, yes. So so, so it, it definitely made my, my top five. So Yeah, just great storytelling. Yep. So it's called The uh, the Ascent. It's directed by Thomas Murtaugh, and um, I would highly recommend it. Okay. My number five is a documentary, and it is United Skates. Oh, okay. So this is a documentary showing the modern uh, popularity of roller rinks, especially among the African-American communities. Yes. And this is a really well shot, very engaging documentary showing, one, the importance of these skating centers, and two, kind of their surging popularity and also decline. A lot of them are shutting down. Now, what was neat about our screening is that we had a fairly large contingent of skaters that actually came. From, I don't Absolutely. I don't know if it was advertised at the rinks, but there was a large group of people in our theater. And, and I'm not sure they attended any other film at the festival. I, don't, I didn't see them at any yeah, other festival. but they showed up for this one. They were there. They were into the movie. And then it was funny, in the lobby afterwards, they were planning to go skate. They were, they were making plans for that evening. It was Saturday night. Yeah. So. Well, um, United Skates just missed my list. And... Uh, um, Diana Winkler and Tina Brown are the directors of that. Um, and it kind of took me back to my childhood. I grew up in a, in a, a rural area that, that want, you either went to the swimming pool, the bowling alley, or the roller skating rink. That was the entertainment in my town. And we did all three. The summer we swam, the winter we bowled, and then in between during the school year, we would go to the roller skating rink and hang out and, and meet girls and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So. And honestly, until I saw this documentary, I didn't know that they were still popular. Yeah, I had no I idea. Yeah. So, well, and there was such a culture in the African American community about having adult night, and 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 really, it was provoking. Makes me wish it was on my top five now. To be honest with you, I mean, these bottom, the bottom, you know, four, five, six, and seven, eight, are all right there together. Hair's for me. breath apart. Hair's breath. Um, but it really showed you the almost intentional segregation of African-Americans to keep them from coming to the skating rink. I mean, it was ridiculous, you know? Yeah, yeah great. G- good documentary. Uh, the only thing I wish that they would have done differently with this documentary is, man, and I know it was because of the budget probably, but really captivate the sound of that era. More, They did a little bit, but there's so much great music that's there. So many perform, I mean, so many performing artists that would in the especially in the hip hop community that would begin. They kind of mentioned it, but they just kind of glazed over it and then went tried to follow these people's story, which is fine. That's just their prerogative. But I would love to see to be immersed in the culture and how 
that music was birthed and how, I mean, you played a roller skating rink, 2,000 people would show up. Yeah, as a music venue. Yeah, as a music venue. That was that was the, the, one of the largest music venues you could play in their community, you know. One of the interesting things I was kind of surprised about in the movie is they were showing the the rap group NWA, you know, from the movie Straight Outta right. Compton. But instead of showing archival real footage of NWA performing, they showed it from the movie Straight Outta Compton, which I thought was kind of strange. Yeah. That's two steps away, you know, yeah. from the actual... Yeah, that was a little strange, but hey. Yeah. G- good good film, though. I'd recommend it. Yeah, I have no doubt this will be on Amazon or Netflix. Because oh, absolutely. it's done really well. It's still on its festival run, but when that yep. festival run wraps up, I, I fully expect that this will be easy to find it okay. and well worth checking out. Awesome. All, All right. right, we're to number four. You want to do your number, do number four? four? Sure. It's got a four in the title. My number four movie is Summer of 84. Wow, okay. Awesome. So... This is from RKSS, who did Turbo Kid. I love that movie. Yes. And here's the funny thing. Turbo Kid had its longest North American run in a theater at Gateway. That's where I saw it. Yeah. And after the movie, we were kind of up in the lounge, and, and there was someone that hadn't seen Turbo Kid. About six people piped up. I love Turbo Kid. Maybe we're all brainwashed, and we just say that as a <laughs> reflex now. But I've not met someone who has seen Turbo Kid and not liked it. Yep. So this is their follow-up. It's completely different. It's a slow burn horror movie with a heavy nostalgia angle. Yep. This is four childhood friends who think the cop on their street is a serial killer. So they're investigating him. It's a summer. They don't have school. They're riding around on their bikes. They're using their walkie-talkies, and they're trying to prove that this guy is a serial killer. And it's a lot of fun. Yes. And it has an edge to it that I, I generally appreciated. <sighs> A lot of tension. I, I was joking with you. I was white knuckling a good third of this movie, you know, just grabbing the seat. And, you know, summer of 1984, these kids are 14, 15 years old. I was 14 years old in summer of 84. Those four kids, even that girl, I could tell, I could name names and tell you who are those, fr- those were my friends, you know, I-, I knew those people, you know, well, they're the archetypes, right? And I knew that I knew the creepy neighbor that we all thought was like, creepy Whoa. neighbor, attractive <laughs> girl next door. Yep. The fat kid, the nerd, the not goth, but punk kid. Right. With the troubled parents. Yep. I mean, they're all the archetypes. That all, we all, all, the, knew. all the stereotypes, all of the archetypes. Absolutely. So I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's a little higher on my list actually. So I'll mention it again later. What I wanted to say about it is I really want to give a special shout-out to Rich Summer, who plays the cop. I was most familiar with him from Mad Men. I don't know if you've seen yes. that show. He was on yep. there. He does a great job in this movie of playing the chummy, safe cop next door with a more sinister edge that the kids see. Yes. And he was the perfect casting choice the for this movie. The adults are oblivious to it, and yeah. the kids see right through it. Right, and that's, and that's, that's what, true. That's the hook that makes this movie so great. Yeah, and the movie wouldn't work as well without him. I no. don't even imagine anyone else being cast in the role. Nope. So he killed yeah, it. I agree 100%. Absolutely. Now, uh, I'm going to guess it'll be rated R. There is a lot of language in it. Um, it's fine for older kids. I think it's going to find a home on Netflix. And it's a great Netflix title. This is something yeah. you're going to have some fun watching. Yep. It's tense. If you like the nostalgia angle, it, it hits it in spades. Yes. And it has some genuine surprises along the way. Yep. I, I really enjoyed it. I definitely think it's for an older teen group, and I think it's going to hit home the most with that demographic that's in that 40. I think if you're 45 to 55 and you were a teenager in the late 70s, early 80s, 
this is going to be a nostalgia run for you, and yeah. you're going to enjoy this movie. You know, if you liked it, if you liked Stranger Things recently, yes. this is all in your wheelhouse. But this movie has a much strong, much harder edge. Mm-hmm. This is not an emblem Steven Spielberg movie from 1984. No, and this is what we talked about when we were talking about Monster Squad. The difference between Goonies and Monster Squad. This kind of feels like this is Stranger Things, but less supernatural, and then more of an edge. Yeah, more, more edgy. Yeah, and I don't want to tell you anything about it other than you just need to watch it. Yeah, it's definitely a good watch. And like awesome. I said, I imagine it's going to be on Netflix or Amazon after well, its festival run. Yes, well, my number four is, it's a sentimental one. It's all about dogs, uh, all about puppies. I loved this documentary. I cannot wait till it comes out to show my wife and kids. And that's Pick of the Litter. And it's a documentary about um, the process. Uh, it follows a litter of puppies from the moment, literally shows them being born, right? Until they begin their quest to become guide dogs for the blind. And it's a two-year process, 18 to 24 months. And man, you just, I just loved this documentary. I know I'm an old sap and I love, I love dogs anyway, but this is just a feel good. You're rooting for these dogs to make it. Um, and you can, I can, you can preface all animal lovers to say that no dog dies, no dog is injured, all dogs have a happy ending, and you need to see Pick of the Litter. It'll make the whole theater all at once go, aww. Uh, I was. I'm going, I know. I was always I was probably ready to hit me. I'm going, aww, look at that. And if you need <laughs> tissues, it's just tears of happiness. There's... Uh, tears of ha- total happiness, you know, just to see. And, and, you know, Adam, it is really incredible how smart these dogs have to be. And the movie starts out with real-life testimonies of how these guide dogs have saved people's lives. Mm -hmm. And not only do do these dogs have to learn all the different ways to help a blind person navigate a city street, but then they have to unlearn when there's a car, when there's danger, to not listen to the command of their owner. And that's the amazing thing. They called it intelligent disobedience yes so the dog has to know when to ignore the command follow all commands unless there's a danger and they start the dog with like a subway tunnel remember so the dog wouldn't walk off the edge when they kept saying go forward so the dog learns that there are times when you have to disobey your master yeah and i that's just amazing yeah it's it's just a great film all the dogs are cute you're gonna find yourself rooting for certain dogs let's talk about phil i I wanted phil to make it so bad man i was rooting phil (laughs) he's not the best at what he does at first but you you'll find a rooting interest in phil that come on phil you can make it and there's and then there's another dog let's just say patriot will they all have their own personalities uh, patriot will take you on a roller coaster ride yes one minute you think patriot there's you have no chance and then the next minute you think, Patriot, you might pull it out. <laughs> uh, and it's called, a, it's called a litter full of peas. They named all the dogs. There's Phil, there's Patriot, there's Patton, there was Petunia, you know. And so they're all pea-named do- dogs and uh, so much fun, so enjoyable. Uh, just loved, loved the documentary. Yeah, and it's actually going to be on tour. So it's going to be back in Columbus in September. Yes. And from what they were saying is that as this screens locally, they're always going to bring in the local Humane Society. or Like we have pilot dogs here in Columbus that train these dogs. Yeah. Or some other organization that are going to be at the screening answering questions because this this documentary does a good job showing you this process. 
Because yep. not every dog makes it. The vast majority get not failed out. It's called career changed. Career changed. They might switch to a different type of disability help. Yeah, and they might be a emotional support dog. They Allergy might, dog. They yes. Said, um, seizure dogs. Yeah. Yep. They might find another job for them, or they just get privately adopted. Yeah. Uh, it's directed by Dana Natchum and Don Hardy Jr., and it's called Pick of the Litter. It will be out late September. So. Well, no, it's gonna. That's here. It's coming back to Columbus. It's oh. actually going everywhere. Okay. They have a web page. Um, if you Google it, you can probably find it and see screenings. I I'd recommend even seeing it in a the theater. Oh, absolutely. It's, Especially because people probably bring dogs. There are a, a lot of dogs at our screening. Yes, it's a good. It's a good feel good feel good kind of movie. Good documentary, um, and it just warmed my heart to see it. So. That's my number four. My number three um, has already been mentioned, and it is summer of '84. Um, I, I just I so connected. The I think the reason it's just one step maybe higher than yours is because it just connected with me so personally, you know. And I love a movie that takes me on that edge and it all gets. I'm sitting, my heart's pounding, and I know bad things are about to happen, but hopefully they'll be okay. And you know, um. I, I just loved, I, I loved, I, you know, seeing these directors and their, they have such a passion for life and they have such a zeal for life that, that this movie just, you know, it just comes for, it comes out, you know. Yeah. The directors go by the initials RKSS. It's a trio and they were very grateful for everyone to be there and they were taking group photos. We got a couple shots with them and they were very fun. Just, just fun people, honest um, their, their first film that you mentioned, I, I want to go back and watch it now. You Turbo know? Kid. Turbo Kid, because it's just, you know, you made the comment, it's a movie that shouldn't work, but there's just so much heart in Turbo it. Turbo Kid should not work on paper, but it it kills it. It's It feels like a Saturday morning kids show <laughs> with lots of gore and crazy story. In a yeah. Mad Max future, everyone's riding around on bikes. Turbo Kid is so much damn fun. Yeah. They just willed it to work, and it worked. Yeah, and, and Summer of 84 has a lot of that same heart. It's a slow burn, yep. and it's a good slow burn. It's you know? paced really well, it's I mo- it's, it's not like you're bored ever. It's always moving. There's always something progressing in the story, you know? Um, so I would highly recommend, when you get a chance to watch it, Summer of 84. Okay, we're going on to number three if you want to kick this one off. Okay. My number three was a total shock. I was not expecting this film. You already know. I know what it is. I mean, I had no clue that I was. This movie just came out of left field, grabbed my heart, my my laugh. I laughed. I enjoyed it, and that's the animated feature. The night is short. Walk on, girl. Yep. This was a 9 p.m. last movie. Then I was a little bit tired. I started to even kind of get a little sleepy in the movie before it because I was just, I mean, I'm kind of hitting the wall. And boy, this movie comes out. And the best way I can describe this is there's this girl that she goes on this mythological hero's journey. She has the inability to get inebriated. Or really be affected. Or really be able to be affected by anything. She's the mortal the gods cannot touch. Yes. And she goes on this crazy journey through this town. um, And it's hilarious. It's it's frenetic and kinetic. And it moves at 150 miles an hour. Um, There's tons of humor in this. There's some real heartfelt moments in it. Um, I just love Night of Short Walk On Girl. I don't know how you'll be able to catch it here in the States or when it will ever come back, but, man, it was so good. Just 
made me so glad I came to the festival just to see this. It'll it's being released by Toho. Um, they're the studio that puts out Godzilla and G Kids, so it's definitely gonna be on iTunes. I mean, this is one I would actually just buy because I want to see it again, and I'm honestly gonna look up the director because this took me by surprise as well. Um, oh yeah, and it's just it's almost like an Edgar Wright film. It has that kind of energy amplified. I, it, it does, yes. And it's funny because it's just a random night. This girl starts her night by leaving a friend's party to decide she's gonna go out on the town and be an adult. <coughs> So she starts drinking and meets all these characters. And, and, and there's a boy that falls in love with her. Yeah. And it's just, he can't, he keeps setting up these random, not random, but intentional random encounters with her. So she keeps saying, oh, what a coincidence. So he can one day say, no, it was actually fate. And yeah. to see him follow her through this journey and try to have these encounters are hilarious. Well, they're the opposites. Everything good is happening to her and everything bad is happening to him. Yes. And the interesting thing is it's a long night. Everyone yeah, keeps yeah. commenting how long of a night, and they'll say it feels like a year. I think if you visually watch the film, I think you'll actually see all four seasons, because by the end of the night, everyone's got their jackets on, the snow's coming down. Yes. And there's a cold going around. So I think it is a whole year in a night. Yeah. And I think all the seasons are in there. Well, she, she plays, she's so naive and unsophisticated, and she's completely indifferent to anybody's affection. She's just going through the night to have, you know... On one, oh, in one sense, Adam, you could just on a superficial level look at this movie and say, well, it's just a drinking movie. She's just going out to have all the drinking she can have. But that is completely not what this movie's about. That, that is just a, a night of partying is just a vehicle for her to have this mythological journey where she cannot be touched by the gods. And she is going to triumph in the end, you know. And visually, it has a really unique look. Oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah. I, I think I just was not expecting the humor. It just, I found myself laughing and laughing and laughing at this film. Um, fun ride, enjoyable ride. Directed by, directed by Masaki Yuasa, I'm going to say. I'm going to guess, m- m- yeah. Masaki Yuasa, we'll see. And I can't wait to see what else he, she has out. Yeah, absolutely. And at a film festival, this is the perfect late night movie. A lot of times they, they program the higher energy stuff real late because it'll keep you awake. You wouldn't want to do a, a mood piece. You wouldn't put on a Terrence Malick film at 11 p.m. So it was the right programming slot. It had a good turnout from uh, college students. Yeah, This was one of our fuller audiences, so there is some awareness out there of the film. And just looking on, uh, le- on uh, Letterboxd here about uh, Yuasa, uh, it says he's an anime television and film director, screenwriter, storyboard artist, and animator known for his wild, freeform style. Um, and it looks like he has about eight, seven, eight, oh, still an untitled 2019 project, which may have been no night as short as on here. Mind game, Lou over the wall, genius party. So there's a lot of films that this guy's been, yeah, he, he keeps honing his craft. So that's my number three film of the focal 2018 film festival. How about you, Adam? My number three is rich kids. Nice. So we talked briefly about this earlier when going over the festival, it's a, it's a film set in Texas. Um, just follows a group of kids that are curious about the empty house down the street that has a pool. What? How does the other side live? You know, what's it? Can we break in there? There's no one ever home. Let's just go swim. Let's live in the house. And then you know the movie takes some interesting turns. And what I liked about the movie and what everyone seems to really like is it, it's an honest portrayal of just teenagers. And they yeah they do some bad things and make some stupid decisions. But 
you know, they're they're still good people. And the, the term rich kids means right. that these kids have a lot of, in the way of family and friends and everything else. They're rich in different ways than monetary. Yeah. But this movie takes an interesting story and tells it from an angle we haven't seen. Yes. And the really interesting thing is that the director revealed that this actually happened at her house. She's Caucasian. Um, she lived in a house like this in Texas. And when she was away for summer, the local kids had broken into the house and there had been a police involvement in a chase. So the movie is based on her experience, but from the reverse side of it. Yeah, absolutely. So Rich Kids, I liked it. It just missed for me. It did not make my top five. Um, I enjoyed it, though. Um, yeah, I, and I enjoy. I think I enjoyed her personal connection to the film, maybe more than the film itself, you know? Um, I liked the journey. I, you know, I just, um, I liked the film. I liked the film, you know, it just, it just didn't make my top five for me. So, okay. Yeah. So you want to go ahead and do yep. your number two now? Cause my, I give, I've already given mine. So my number two is the night is short walk on girl. So then we tied. That's my number two. Rich kids is my number three. Right. And mine was summer of 84. Okay. So yeah, we we both agreed on. So night of, the night is short is my number two. Okay. We got out of order somehow. Yeah. I think because I had summer of 84 a little bit one higher than you. Okay. I went and then I did my second one, but, and I should have waited maybe. All right. I don't know. But it's my number two. My number five was The Ascent. Number four was Pick of the Litter. Number three was Summer of 84. And the one I just talked about, Night of Short, Walk On, is uh, okay. yeah, so my number two. Yeah, so we agree there, number two. Yeah. Okay. So uh, number one. Which makes it real interesting. What is our number one? Did we agree? I, I think is- we've agreed. <laughs> I think we actually agreed on the top two. I think we did too. My number one is We the Animals. Mine as well. We the Animals I thought was the best film at the Focal Film Festival. Yeah. Beautifully shot. Gorgeous. This is the story of three brothers. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just love it that, you know, we didn't look at each other's list and yet our top two is the exact two same films. And we didn't even really even, we didn't even even try to communicate to see what we thought the other one was. No. That's why we need more diversity in our lineup, because Roger and I are the same person, so we apologize. We're just too damn similar. No, it's not that as much as... These are just two great films. They were really they, good. They, they, they were a notch above all the other films, you know, in the festival for, for me. So, yeah. So, We the Animals, uh, three brothers, they live with their parents, and both of the parents have issues. The mother has some depression issues where she can lie in bed for days. Yep. The dad leaves for work or for other reasons, and he's gone. They don't know when he's coming back, and these kids have to fend for themselves. They're stealing food from the grocery store, um, and they're growing up, and they, they're starting to realize the parents' faults. Right. You know, they're becoming not just innocent children anymore. They're starting to see the world differently and realizing there's something wrong with mom and dad. Yes. And like I said, this if you liked Florida Project, if you liked American Honey, this is very much in the same vein. Yeah. It's based on a book of the same name, and I, I can't recommend it enough. I thought We the Animals was something special. Uh, it, there's such a, 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 a organic feel to the movie. Um, you would never. I, I, I just was convinced those three boys were brothers, and they're not. You know, they are not. Um, the 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 relationship between the mom and dad is volatile. But not stereotypical. But not stereotypical. And yet still, there's a lot of heart and humanity there, you know? 
I, I, I please don't think for an instant that if you go see this movie that I'm condoning the volatility in the marriage. I'm not at all. It's it's it's. But yet there's a real sense of of honesty that that stuff happens in you know in relationships and. Um, it's a coming of age in one sense where the like you said the boys come to realize wow you know things are not always in the perfect th- thought that i think it is you know uh, the perfect way that i think it is and so i, I loved we the animals gorgeous like you said beautifully shot um grips your heart at times uh, i found myself very on the edge of my seat very tense you know at times um, and rooting for these kids to, to make it and, and have a better life, you know, want, yeah. wanting them to, you know. Yeah, so that's my number one as well, We the Animals. So there we have it. We have a unanimous film coterie, Best of the Fest. It's We the Animals with the runner-up, Night is Short, Walk on Girl. Yeah, and, and I've got to say, even my top four, Pick of the Litter, Summer of 84, Night is Short, We the Animals, all four of those films are going right into my best of 2018. I put, yeah. I don't know where they will. Um, the Ascent, it just missed. I, I put it at three and a half stars, so it won't make my best of. But I still thought it was really, really good as well. Um, I have two honorable mentions, and we've already talked about them. Rich Kids and United Skates. I thought were both really, really good. Uh, would be worth your time to go see them, you know, absolutely. In my honorable mentions, Roger talked about, it would be The Ascent and Pick of the Litter. Yep, absolutely. So I think, is that going to wrap it up for our... Well, real quick, yeah. Um, we might be beating the press out on this. They did announce the award winners today. I don't know if that's up on social media yet. Yeah. So Best Documentary went to United Skates. Yes. Best Feature went to We the Animals. Yes. Best director went to um, Summer of 84 with RKSS. And then um, the best short, at least we didn't see the Ohio shorts. They did name a best Ohio short. Right. We didn't see it. But the best short went to Medusa. Which I thought was really good. <laughs> I never thought I'd see a short where a statue was sending dick pics to a, a female fan. But it's the statue of yes. uh, the hero from the yeah, Odyssey. Yeah, Her- uh, Hercules with, with the head no, of Medusa. Um, with, um, no, shoot. Jason? Yes, Jason the Argonauts with He's the, got he- the head of Medusa. Head it's his, of Medusa. his new statue, and it has a strange relationship with a woman that comes to visit in the museum where he's sending inappropriate yeah. text messages to. Yeah. A very intriguing yeah. and interesting short, and that, that took the best short. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Film Coterie. What do we have, real, real, real quick, Adam, coming up next week? What's on our docket? I've been in such a bubble, I don't even know. I'm, I'm catching him frantically looking up here this week. What's coming up next week? Uh, we're going to be back seeing a mainstream film. Oh, yeah, all right. We have some catching up to do. We don't know what it's going to be. I saw Black Klansman, if you can believe it. I actually took some time. I went to the theater extra early today. Oh, man. You're hard, saw, you are hardcore, Adam. I saw That's Black Klansman, I and I really, really liked it. It's it's among the best despite Spike I, I'm going to try to see it before our next episode. Uh, coming out this week is Crazy Rich Asians, Alpha, and Mile 22. Okay. All those look pretty decent. Yes. We need to catch up on The Meg and Eighth Grade. I mean, there's a lot of movies out. So, yeah, I, I, I would say our next episode easily will have two, maybe three features that we'll, we'll talk about. So After a couple nights at home. Yes. I need a rest. I need a break. I'm going to hang out with my kids and play some board games or something with them. So, All right, man. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of The Film Coterie. If you are interested in, in continuing to hang out with us, Adam, how can they find us on the interwebs? 
just look for us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com backslash film coterie. Our handle on Twitter and Instagram is at film coterie. And we got a website, filmcoterie.com. We exist everywhere. Awesome. Well, until next time, go to the movies, enjoy the movies, and we'll see you.